0: Find the truth on Solace Radio.
1: Pastor Mark, I just uh, want to say I really appreciate you letting me come, minister, have a meeting here. There's not a lot of pastors. I get to travel the world, and there's really not a lot of pastors who will address the subjects that we're going to address in a couple of weeks uh, because the church is in the ether. The church, in many respects, doesn't really even want to know what's going on. They want to, it's like the Matrix. It's a place that's not real. It can be anything that we want, as long as we confess and pray the prayer of Jebez three times a day. And then don't forget to sow your seed faith offering. I want to tell you what, folks. We are at the end of the age. Amen? Say the end of the age. And all of the things that go along with it, we're experiencing many of them right now. We just don't realize it. And I really believe what the Lord wants me to do today is and, and next week is to help you see and read between the lines so we can actually see what is going on in the world, where we're at individually and as a body, the body of Messiah, and then begin to make that turn and like uh, the uh, the angel that John said. In 18.4, come out of her, come out of that Babylonian system, uh, my people, so that we don't participate in her sin and receive of her plague. How many of you think that's a good idea? Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. I just want to pray and ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your mercy and for your love toward us, and we thank you for your word, your word that became flesh in Yeshua, our Messiah, and dwelt among us. Your word that hung on Calvary's cross shed his blood for us that we might have forgiveness and atonement for sin. Lord, you gave us your Torah. And the new covenant model is to write your laws, your Torah on our heart. And today, Lord, I ask that you help us to write your Torah on our hearts in a more real way. Father, let this message be relevant. Help us to see where we are at as a people and where we are at individually. And help us, Lord God, follow your biblical man to come out of her, that unclean thing, in Yeshua's mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Well, this message is America's Financial Apocalypse, God's Love and Discipline of America. And what I want to do is I want to talk about, this week we're going to talk about the judgments of God. The mercy and the judgment is the way that God deals with nations. And he's been dealing with America that way for some time. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go through three or four of those. And then we're going to, next week, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the financial judgment that is yet to come. How many of you know we had just a little shaking about three weeks ago? Yeah, it was a pretty good shake and there was was quite a bit of money lost and it's still kind of it's still kind of working its way through the global uh, financial system uh that's nothing compared to what is eventually going to come and by the end of today you'll understand that it's there's going to be much more severe i'm going to be ministering from two uh messages primarily one is mercy and judgment and the other one is from the apocalypse series uh next week i'll be doing uh primarily uh the third seal which is the black horse that carries the scales. And scales always speak of the monetary system and the marketplace. How many of you know it was through the use of scales that they bought and sold in ancient times? So when you see that scale, you must understand it's always referring to, it's an ancient reference to the modern-day aspects of our monetary system. And next week, you're really going to uh, be excited about what I've got to say. How many of you read my book or seen the DVDs on money and wealth? Oh, a lot of you have. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord.
0: Yahweh is a
1: God of mercy and judgment. Numbers 14, 18. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. How many of you know this is the Torah scripture? And in Torah it says that God is what? Abundant in mercy. How many of you know we've been wrongly taught that in the Old Testament, quote-unquote, We've been taught that he was just a law, a God of law and judgment. Please understand, God doesn't change. He is a God of mercy and long-suffering and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But, everybody say but, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. Do you see love and mercy there? Mercy for those who repent and judgment on those who do not repent. God uses mercy and judgment to bless or discipline nations. Jeremiah 18 verse 7. This is a good one. Pastor Mark shared with me. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot it, to pull it down, or to destroy it. That would be judge it. Amen. In other words, God's pronounced judgment kind of like he did on Nineveh. But then there's a caveat. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil I will relent in other words I will have mercy concerning the calamity I planned to bring on it amen how many of you know that prophecy personal prophecy is always conditional it's conditional on based on what you do regarding your response to God's word and when the people of Nineveh repent and God removed the judgment is that right now did Nineveh ultimately get judged
0: yes
1: but why did they get judged? Because there was another generation who did evil and would not repent. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 9 and verse 10 say the same thing, only backwards. God says, I'm going to bless this nation. But verse 10 says, if it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good which I have promised to, 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 to bless it with. Amen? Yeah. Mercy or judgment is based on obedience or disobedience. God uses mercy and judgment to discipline his people. After all, we are a holy nation. Is that right? Yeah. If God judges nations, and we're a holy nation. And scripture says that judgment begins where? In the house of the Lord. So God uses mercy and judgment to discipline his people. Psalms 135, 14 says, for the Lord will judge his people and will have compassion on his servant." He's judging, but he has compassion at the same time. Do you see that? Mercy and judgment. You say, well, that's all Old Testament. Thank you very much. It's Tanakh. How many of you know the same thing is said in the, in the New Testament? Apostolic Scripture. Yeah, Hebrews 12:5 says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those who the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges. Everybody say scourges. God scourges us, every son whom he receives. And you must understand, the writer of Hebrews is quoting almost directly out of Deuteronomy 8, verse 5. In other words, he's going back where? To the Torah, and he's quoting, he's saying, here's how God is going to deal with his people. you got to go back to the Torah to find out. If you're reading the New Testament, and you're a New Testament uh, Christian, and you're not studying the Torah in light of the apostolic scriptures of the New Testament, I want to tell you, you're probably miss it, missing it in your doctrine. How many of you say amen to that? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 32 says, this is a good one. But when we are judged, who's we? Paul is talking about the about the body of Messiah. When we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord in order that we may not be condemned along with the world. In other words, in his mercy, God uses judgment to discipline his people and call them to righteousness. His goal is to lead us to repent of our sin so that we are not judged with the world during his final judgment, wrath judgment. And in that one, if you find yourself in that one, it's too late. God uses judgments to teach the world about righteousness. Isaiah 26, 9, the last half of that passage of scripture says, For when the earth experiences By judgment, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. God's goal is to bring correction that teaches them, teaches us, God's people and the people of the world, the difference between righteous and unrighteous behavior. We're saved by grace through faith and the shed blood of the sacrifice, and we receive the imputed righteousness of God. Now it's it's not about imputed righteousness because we've already received that. Now it's about what kind of righteousness? behavioral righteousness. And if we walk in an unrighteous manner that contradiction goes against the commandments of God, God will send judgments in order to teach us about righteousness. And that is consistent throughout Scripture from Genesis to Maps, All the way through, God does it the same way because God does not change. Israel is the standard by which God judges from beginning to ending. And I'm moving through this uh, first part a little bit quickly because I'm just laying a little bit of a foundation before I get into actual example. Because there are some people in the New Testament uh, congregation of God, the New Testament apostles, or uh, scriptures and the New Testament church that, don't, that believe that God doesn't judge his people. And I want you to know that he does judge his people. And he does judge nations. And all we have to do is look in the news to see that. And Israel is the standard by which God judges from the beginning even to the ending. First Corinthians 10, verse 6. God is talking about, in First Corinthians 10, he's talking about Israel who came out from Egypt under what? The blood of what? The Passover lamb. See, this is such an apropos message for today because we are in the season of the, of the Passover. And I believe God wants to speak to us in a big way here. And Paul says that Israel came out of Egypt and they came out as a saved nation because they were under the blood of the Passover Lamb and they all drank the same spiritual drink and they all ate from the same, uh, or, they all ate from the same, um, uh, spiritual food and drank from the same spiritual, the, the rock. And that rock was Jesus Christ. Is that right? Yeshua HaMashiach. And then he says, now these, now, these things happen as examples for us that we should not crave evil things as they also Israel craved. And we have to understand that they, even though they came out under the blood, guess what? Israel abandoned and went against the commandments of God. And Paul is telling the church, go back and look at Israel, because the judgment that came on them was because they craved evil. And then verse 6 down through verse 10, gives three specific examples of what they did. And then Paul says again, he says, Now these things happened to them, talking about Israel, as an example, and they were written for our instruction. Whose instruction? Our instruction upon whom the ends of the age have come. And if Paul said that in his day, how much more true is that for us today, man? In other words, in the in the apostolic scriptures it says, Go back and look at Israel in the Torah, because I'm going to deal with you just like I dealt with Israel. And I'm writing it down for your benefit so that you won't make the same blunders that they did. How many of you think that's a pretty cool God that will show us exactly what to do and what not to do? Write it down for us. Breathe the Spirit on us so we could understand and we could walk in his ways rather than our way i tell you what, I can serve a God like that. Israel is the standard. God's process for using mercy and judgment. Here's pretty much how it goes. In mercy, God sends the prophets to warn the people before he sends judgment. If they do not repent, God releases the curse of their sin back on them as a judgment. You must understand that's what judgments are. They're the curse of the law that come as a result of breaking the commandments and the laws of God. That's how curses come. How many of you know God can't just send a curse or a judgment or do something bad to to people just because he's having a bad hair day? A curse without a cause cannot come, cannot light. Is that right? In other words, a judgment or something uh, on the order of judgment can't come unless there is a reason for it to come. In mercy, God sends the prophets again to explain the judgment and preach repentance. How many of you know prophets have been coming throughout the world, but especially to America for quite a while, Calling America back to the ways of God. Amen? They're all over the place. In mercy, God waits for them to understand the message and turn back. That's the mercy. God steps back and he waits. See if people are going to hear it. After 9-11, everybody ran to church for 30 days. If they still do not repent, God releases additional judgment. God intensifies the cycle until the people either repent or ultimately are destroyed. And that cycle has been going over and over and over again since the very beginning. But we're coming to the culmination. It's called the book of Revelation, amen, and the battle of Armageddon ultimately in the end. God's mercy and judgment on Israel. I'm going to deal with one specific passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 9 that relates to the United States. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 8, says, The Lord sent a word against Jacob, and it has fallen on Israel. All the people will know Ephraim. Everybody say Ephraim. And the inhabitants of Samaria, we're going to come back to that in just a minute. in mercy, God sends the prophet, sent the prophet Isaiah to warn Israel turn from their sin. This was a specific warning to Ephraim, who say in pride and arrogance of heart, "The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild the hewn or quarried stones will be repl- uh, excuse me, with, with hewn or quarried stone, and that just means better stones, bigger stones, stronger stones, stones, more costly stones." The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them with cedars. Again, a more expensive and stronger uh, 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 stone. In other words, when judgment came, Israel didn't repent, but they pridefully and arrogantly said, "We will rebuild." Verse 11. Therefore, the Lord shall set up against uh, set up the adversaries of Rezin, which is the king of Syria at the time, against him and spur his enemies on the Syrians before. And the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. In other words, when they failed to repent, God sent Arab nationals to attack them. Sound familiar? There's nothing new under the sun, folks. Everything that has been shall be, and everything that shall be has been. Verse 13 says, For the people do not turn to him who strikes him, nor do they seek the Lord of hosts. That word, therefore, Lord is Yahweh of hosts. We must understand that even in the midst of judgments, the people don't turn to God, they continue in their own sin. They say, we will rebuild. Even when God was clearly using judgment to correct Israel, they refused to repent. Verse 14, therefore the Lord will cut off head and tail from Israel. Palm branch was talking about the highest, and bulrush, which is the lowest, in one day. The elder and honorable, he is the head. The prophet who teaches lies, he is the tail. Boy, and I tell you what, I'm doing a series on, on, on uh, false prophets of the last days, in fact, I think we've got some uh, newsletters on the back, and those are free, in fact, um, uh, where, I'm de- where we're dealing with how to tell a true from a false prophet, and it's not because their prophecies come true. That is not the acid test. You say, well, what is it? Get the newsletter and find out. The head is the senior officials, governors, and judges, and the tail are the prophets who prophesy peace and safety in the face of sin and judgment. And when they prophesy peace, when they say peace, peace, peace peace and safety, then sudden destruction is going to come. That's the word of the Lord. Verse 16. For the leaders of these people cause them to err and those who lead, or excuse me, "and, and those who are led by them are destroyed. In other words, the leaders are leading us. The political, the financial, and the religious rulers led the people into destruction. In Israel's day, how many of you know it was largely the leaders? Everybody followed their prophets and followed their, their their scribes and their judges and all of all of the leaders who had become perverse, and they were led into destruction, and that was the Assyrian captivity, which is what I, Isaiah was talking about. Verse 17 says, "Therefore the Lord will have no joy with their young men, nor have mercy on their fatherless and widows." In other words, judgment's coming. For everyone is a hypocrite and an evil doer, and every mouth speaks folly. The judgment came on everyone because they were all in unrepentant rebellion, even the young men, the fatherless, and the widows. How many of you know, if all God's judgments are righteous judgment, is that what the scripture says in the book of Revelation? Then when he sends a judgment and he releases a judgment, even when it falls on the young, you must understand it's a righteous judgment. And you say, Well, how can that be? How can he judge the the the, 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 the what about the children? How many of you heard that? Well, what about the children? Well, we the first passage of scripture that we read said so that God visits it to the iniquity of the fathers onto the
0: children. If you're so worried about the children, repent. It's not God, it's the parents. Wake up, stop blaming
1: stuff on the devil, and stop blaming stuff on God. The problem's us.
0: Amen? Love me or hate me, accept it or reject it, but you're not going to change it. How many of you still love me? Got about, still about half are are with us. Okay, praise the Lord. See, I like the old saying, got to love me or you won't go to heaven. Verse 17b, for all of this,
1: his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. In other words, God is still ministering and he's bringing judgment. And at the same time, his hand of mercy is stretched out still. And If you'll repent, I'll deliver you. If you'll repent, I'll deliver you. They're such a hard-hearted people, not just in America. I'm talking about the body of Messiah in many respects. We've got to allow God to soften our hearts and we have to walk in his way. In the midst of the judgment, God still extends his hand of mercy and forgiveness to those who would turn back to him. This is the process, judgment and mercy on Israel. How do we relate that to America? This message was for Jacob, for Israel, but it was specifically to Ephraim. Ephraim represents Gentile believers who were adopted and grafted into the commonwealth of Israel. Does everybody understand that story? Ephraim was considered a Gentile. Because his mother was a Gentile Egyptian, is that right? And the picture of Jacob adopting Ephraim and Manasseh is a picture of the Gentiles in Messiah, being a, who who believed in Yahweh through his Messiah through his sacrificial system, would come in and become part of the Commonwealth of Israel, and so today. Ephraim is a metaphoric symbol of Gentile nations that believe in Yahweh. If you want to apply that today, you can apply that in such a way metaphorically. Now, we're not talking about physical uh, uh, the genome. We're talking about metaphorically. Ephraim was a, was Gentile, but he came to believe in Yahweh, and he was grafted in and brought in to the commonwealth of Israel. And today, if you want to apply that metaphorically, it's for countries who believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you name some countries who that could be applied to? Britain is one. Ireland's another one. Ireland again. we got an Irishman up here. For a while, I thought he was going to wear his kilt today, you know. (laughs) Praise the Lord. How about another one? America and Britain and Ireland and some of the other countries out there had converted to what we would call Christianity, but America was founded on it. And I really believe that today America is probably the best symbol. Judeo-Christian America is probably the best symbol of what we would call Ephraim today. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Okay, so what we want to do is we want to take now and metaphorically apply Isaiah 9 to America. On September tenth, two thousand one, the Bush administration and Arab leaders finished a comprehensive peace plan that called for the Palestinian state within the promised land of Israel. U.S. Secretary of State Colin Powell was scheduled to announce this to the world in a speech to the UN, United Nations on September 24th. That evening of September tenth, they actually had a little celebration where they all came together and they had a little food and they had a little drink, and they patted each other on the back and you know, uh, complimented each other and gave each other congratulations for getting this comprehensive peace plan together. Well, what happened? September 11th, America's transgression of God's covenant was judged the same way that ancient Israel's rebellion was judged. God released Arab nationals to attack America. This is not a racist message. I'm just telling you that everybody on that plane was an Arab. They were Islamic fundamentalists, but they were also Arabs. And we must understand, we've got to deal with issues. In Psalms 83, it talks about the enemies of God, and he lists them by name. The tents of Edom, and the Ishmaelites, and on and on and on. The 9-11 terrorist attack on America became a modern-day fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy against Ephraim. And here we have an overhead of lower Manhattan. You can see the South Tower right there, and you can, you can see the, the, the explosion that takes place. Oh, look at this. The bricks have fallen down, folks. And you say, well, the bricks have fallen down a lot of places. That's a, that's a good observation, but you'll see why this is so important. I'm going to take a little side note. September 11 took place during the biblical month of Elul. Does everybody understand the consequences of that? Elul is the month before Tishri, and the Feast of Trumpets is on the 1st of Tishri. The Feast of Trumpets represents The judgment, the end wrath of God to come. And the month of Elul is, there's like, there's, there's, the the Feast of Trumpets talks about God's final judgment. But the month of Elul is like, there's a whole month that goes by, and they're called the trumpets of Elul, and they're sounded, in ancient times they were sounded every day for 30 days. And it was a, it was a sounding, wake up, wake up, wake up, because judgment, the days of awe are coming. And that last trump sounds on the day that no man knows. In the Jewish culture, that day that it sounds is called the day that no man knows. That's another teaching. Now, right outside this arena where everything's going on, there's a place called Saint Paul's Chapel. How many of you ever heard of Saint Paul's Chapel? Okay, you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot about it here in the next little bit. The history of Saint Paul's Chapel is it was completed in seventeen sixty six and it's the oldest public building in Manhattan. George Washington prayed there on inauguration day uh, April thirtieth seventeen eighty nine and Washington attended and most and a lot of his cabinet who were believers uh, attended uh, service at St. Paul's during the first two years that New York served as the u s capital. We must understand that New York was the first capital of America until washington d c got built. New York served as its capital, therefore New York, specifically St. Paul's Chapel. Serves as our political, a a place of political and spiritual roots of America. Amen? Does everybody see that? And what happened was, you got a jet coming in, it crashes into the South Tower, the North Tower had already been hit, this is the second jet, and a piece of debris, a big, a huge, a huge beam flies out and into the backyard of St. Paul's Chapel. Now here's another overhead of it and this is like the picture of a book kind of gives you an idea of what it looked like and that piece of debris flew from the south tower and what it did was it came crashing into the ground and hit and and kind of bounced up and hit a tree and the tree actually saved the chapel from that beam going and crashing in through it and probably killing a bunch of people guess what kind of tree that was it was a sycamore tree it's called the miracle of 9-11. The sycamores are cut down. The bricks have fallen and the sycamores are cut down. Is it starting to make a little more sense now? Starting to come to, to light for you? You haven't seen anything yet. What's this? America's responded the same way Israel responded. September 20th, 2001, Mr. Bush gave this speech in Congress and to the nation. As a symbol of America's resolve, my administration will work with Congress and these two leaders to show the world that we will rebuild New York City. He might as well sit up there and quoted Isaiah 9-10. The bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild. The sycamores are cut down, but we will replace them. He might as well said that. He didn't say that, but some of our other illustrious leaders did. John Kerry said that. And they were using it as a good thing. They were saying, You know the Scripture says the sycamores are cut down, the bricks have fallen, the sycamores are cut down, but we will rebuild. We don't understand. The context is you don't say that. You repent, and instead of repenting, they said we defile. He said we're going to rebuild, regardless of what God does. In defiance, we're going to rebuild. We're not going to obey God. That's what they were saying. John Edwards said it. That was his running mate. The illustrious Tom Daschle said it. Now, if that isn't a picture of a true leftist, I don't know what is. How many of you still love me? All the Democrats hate me. I know. I'm sorry. I got. What, is, what does Ecclesiastes ten two say? A wise man's
0: heart leads him to the right. Check it out. Get your Bible out. If I'm lying, I'm dying. But a fool's heart leads him to the left. I didn't say it. Yahweh said it. I'm just here to report it. And that doesn't mean that Jesus
1: was a Republican. He wasn't. At least not the Republican Party we know today. Jesus, Yeshua, was a Torah observant high priest Jew. And you think that the neocons are conservative today? Wait till Yeshua comes. (laughs) On July 4th, 2005, our leaders conducted a dedication ceremony at Ground Zero. Here's an overhead picture of Ground Zero. They pledged to build a bigger and better building in its place. The new building is called the Freedom Tower, and it's 1,776 feet tall for 1776. How about that? They lowered a 20-ton hewn granite quarry stone into Ground Zero and they're using it now as the new cornerstone. And here's a picture of Mayor Pataki, and they're dedicating this cornerstone, a 20-ton quarried hewn stone from the quarries in in northern uh, north uh, upstate New York. They brought it down and they lowered it in there. 20-ton. They call it the Freedom Stone, and they said, "We will rebuild." Our leaders at that particular point in time unwittingly released. The next major judgment on America that came seven weeks later. Anybody tell me what that is? Hurricane Katrina hit on August 29, 2005. Job 37, verse 9 says, Out of the south comes a storm. Verse 11, Also with moisture he loads the thick cloud. He disperses the cloud of his lightning, and it changes direction, turning around by his guidance, that it may do whatever he commands uh, it on. The face of the inhabited earth, verse 13, whether for correction or for his world or for loving kindness, he causes it to happen. You must understand that God doesn't create these things, our sin creates them. God is the one who determines the timing and the intensity for when they get released. Does everybody understand the difference? God doesn't create the curse we create the curse in our sin. God's the one who determines when it comes back. In other words, he's the ultimate governator. Amen? He's the one who governs it. We call him the governator. I'll tell you what, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in for a big surprise.
0: Because he is not the first one to say, I'll be back. <laughs> he got that from Yeshua! Hurricane Katrina
1: was Tropical Depression 12, and it first formed on August 23rd, 2005. I've got to give you some dates here. Katrina hit New Orleans August 29th, about, about seven weeks after they dedicated the new Freedom Stone. August 23rd through the 29th was during the biblical month of Elul. Gosh, does it sound like there's a pattern here? Is God sounding trumpets to tell us to wake up and to repent or judgment's coming? Katrina was a judgment warning America to repent. Katrina served as a judgment on Pagan Carnival, the Southern Decadence Festival. 120 gay and lesbian transvestites filled the streets of New, uh, New Orleans. This was scheduled for August 31st through September 5th. Well, Katrina hit on August 29th. Guess what?
0: It got canceled! Oh, man!
1: Timing's everything. You know the old saying, timing's everything. Is that right? Deuteronomy 22, God is speaking to the homosexual community. Hear the word of the Lord. A woman shall not wear a man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. Like it or lump it, that's the word of the Lord. And you can talk all the way you want around that, but it is an abomination in the sight of God.
0: And you want to know what? In the end, his opinion's the only one that counts. And you can argue about it. You can pass legislation. But in the end, God is going to deal
1: with the sin that so easily besets it. And where did that come from? That came from Torah, right? Another Torah scripture. A man shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Katrina was a warning to the gay and lesbian community to repent. And, 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 and please understand... Here at the harvest, and I know, Pastor, and I know the, I know the elders, and I know the people, who, we don't hate homosexual people. We love them. We love them enough to get in their chili and tell them what they're doing is wrong. And if they don't come back to the Lord, guess what? There's going to be a price to pay. And we don't want that because Yeshua died for you. He loved you so much that he died for you so that you wouldn't have to live that way and end up being judged ultimately in the final judgment. How many of you think that's really true love to tell you the way that it is? Amen. A father who loves his children discipline. He corrects them and he disciplines them if he really truly loves his children. Amen. Hallelujah. New Orleans Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras starts about two weeks before Lent. Mardi Gras day, actually, Mardi Gras is French for Fat Tuesday. In other words, for these two weeks, they're just a uh, drunken, dope-filled uh, partying that just is beyond. It's a Sodom and Gomorrah type uh, a Sodom and Gomorrah type situation that comes to a crescendo on Fat Tuesday, and then guess what the next day is? It rolls over into Lent, which begins on Ash Wednesday, and everybody repents. In other words, it's tied to the Catholic celebration of Lent. Ooh, guess what? The 2006 Mardi Gras, which came after the 2005 Hurricane Katrina, was about four people, and I think that's them right there. How many of you know God was speaking? Okay, These are ungodly ceremonies, ungodly celebrations. Hurricane Katrina served as a as a judgment on voodoo. Here's Uncle Bernie. New Orleans voodoo comes from African voodoo or voudon. Voodoo is laced with Catholic imagery. This is Prince, uh, priestess Miriam. What's Miriam the Hebrew name for? Mary. Look at see the window right there. What image is that? Is that is that Mary, Mother Mary, the Catholics Mary?
0: Voodoo means snake spirit.
1: Voodoo worships a large python called Dan Gui, and I, I'm not sure on that last pronunciation, but it's Dan Dan-Gui or Dan Voodoo practices snake dancing. Doesn't that look like fun? Dan Gui is also called Father of the Spirits or Father of the Simbi. This snake spirit is the father of the spirits, and these spirits are called Simbi. Who does the snake represent? Thank you very much. Voodoo spirits are known as Simbi or Loas. And they originate as water spirits. And and this is a little Simbi bottle that you can put water in, these Simbi water spirits, and actually put, you can buy this off the internet for like 40 bucks. What a deal, huh? Probably an old Coke bottle just wrapped in a little, you know, man, what a craft project, huh? Simbi are empowered by wetlands and bayous. Michael Ortiz Hill Bandu, he's a voodoo leader and author, says this, there is considerable scholarship about simbis of the southern wetland. Water spirits, both fierce and magical, who inhabit streams, swamps, and ponds. And this is a picture of, the, of, the, of, of a bayou. In fact, this is a picture of the Louisiana bayou, which makes a perfect habitation for simbi or the water spirit. Now, this is a picture of New Orleans from, from like Space. This is a, a, a satellite picture. Simbi, there's a a water spirit called Simbi and Dizo, which means Simbi in two waters. The two waters represent the fresh water and the salt water coming together. Right there is New Orleans. And New Orleans is where the fresh water of the Mississippi comes together with the salt water of the Gulf of Mexico. And we must understand that New Orleans serves as an epicenter for voodoo spirits. That's why it's that's why it's so big down there and it's not so big in Colorado. Well we got our mountains. Does everybody understand? It's not it's not by chance that voodoo is so big. In fact, voodoo consumes New Orleans. Katrina in English is a derivative of Catherine, which means pure or purify, depending on how you want to use it. Katrina in Greek comes from heck katrine. Or Hecateros. In Greek mythology, Hecatrine and Hecateros originates from the name Hecate. Hecate is a pagan goddess associated with witchcraft, tombs, demons, and the underworld. The Encyclopedia Britannica says, quote, Hecate was the goddess presiding over magic spell. What does Deuteronomy 12, what does the Torah say? Deuteronomy 18, verse 10 says, There shall not be found among you anyone, say anyone, Judeo-Christian America, you who were founded on my word, in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, there shall not be found anyone among you who uses divination, who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. I didn't say it. Yahweh said it. Amen? We must understand there is a penalty. There is a price to pay for unrepentant rebellion against God and against His Word. And the reason things are coming faster and more intense at this particular point in time, because these are like the birth pains. Birth pains, ladies, don't birth pains come more frequently with more intensity? I can't relate, I'm sorry, but I've been told that. I want to tell you what, that's exactly what's happening right now. These are part of the birth pains that come at the end of the age. On Moonlit Nights, the Encyclopedia Britannica goes on to say, On Moonlit Nights, Hecate, or Katrina, was seen at crossroads, accompanied by ghosts and hellbounds. Katrina was the one who, or Hecate, was the one who helped them to cross over... From the living over into the netherworld. That's what the goddess's job was. The backdrop for voodoo is usually centered around the crossroads of the cemetery filled with tombstones, skeletons, ghosts, and death. Am I, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Is that right? This is not a coincidence, folks. God is trying to speak to us very clearly about what is going on. In Mexico, it is said La Catarina signifies death because she comes to lead those who have died to cross over to the netherworld. Thus, whenever someone dies, it is common to hear people say, and I'm just going to take a stab at this, Vino por el Katrina, which means La Katrina came for him. Can we have fun? How many of you are glad I'm not religious? Yeah, two of you. Okay, praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Posadas was a famous Mexican drawer from the early 20th century who created a skeletal character to personify La Katrina. And there she is.
0: Got a pretty little hat on and everything. Looks like an Easter hat, doesn't it? Most of you know what I'm talking about. Hurricane Katrina hit...
1: (laughs) We're only talking about the end of the world, folks,
0: so lighten up. Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans at, at an appointed time. How many of you know God has appointed times?
1: And I want you to understand, if you understand the prophetic realm of things, it, appointed times are not just the Shabbat and just the feast. He has appointed times where he releases judgment as well. Amen? Those of you who have studied, have studied judgment on the temple know that the temple was destroyed on the same day, different years, several times. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Katrina was an appointed time. Hecate, in ancient Rome, or Katrina, was, they held, in ancient Rome, they held an observance to Hecate. On the 29th of each month. When did Katrina hit? August 29th. It's not a coincidence, folks. Yahweh judged New Orleans with their own demon gods, just like he judged Egypt with with its demon god. Amen? In other words, God took the demons of Egypt and all the false gods, and he turned those demons against them, and he cursed them with it. I want to tell you what, the same thing took place in, in, in New Orleans. They took God
0: took the demon spirits, the demon gods of voodoo, which were water spirits, and he multiplied them, and he gave them more water than they could handle. I'm telling you, that's what happened. And you say, oh, God wouldn't do that. He loved us. Yeah, he loves you enough to scourge you, to correct you, to correct us as a people and as a nation. You must hear the word of the Lord, because it's not going to get better out there. The only place that's going to
1: get better are those among God's people who repent and turn around and come
0: back to the way of God. Amen? It's the only ones it's going to get better
1: for. U.S. policy toward Israel released Hurricane Katrina on America. Now watch this. See, because everything's coming back to Israel anyway, folks. We've got to hear this message. August 23rd, 2005, the last Jewish settlers were forcibly removed from the Gaza Strip. On August 23rd, the National Hurricane Center reported, quote, a broad low-pressure area over the southeastern Bahamas was has become organized enough to be classified as Tropical Depression 12. August 24th, the next day, Tropical Depression 12 became Tropical Storm Katrina, then Hurricane Katrina. So the Israelis in Gaza, the last day out was August 23rd. America support, you must understand that America was one of the driving forces behind that expulsion of Jews from the promised land. And we must understand that when we transgress the laws of God, he's going to come and he's going to say when you start. I believe if you want to know when God's going to do stuff, just watch Israel. It's like Israel's the trigger. It's the thing that pulls the trigger. It's like if you want to, people say, well, when do you think the, uh, uh, the financial crisis is coming? You know, and
0: my pat answer is Wednesday, you know. How's that? Watch Israel. If,
1: (laughs) If, if, If you see us forcing Israel to do something, just get ready, because God's about ready to pull the trigger in America on something. Just get ready. You must hear me. So on the 24th, this tropical depression, 12, becomes Hurricane Katrina. 12 is the number of the sons of Israel. Oh, man. U.S. policy that uprooted Israelis from from part of the promised land uprooted Americas from part of their land. You might even say part of their promised land, because some Americans think that America is the promised land. It's not. Katrina produced events in the United States that mirrored events in the Gaza. In Israel, Jewish settlers were forced to evacuate their homes in the Gaza Strip. In America, U.S. citizens were forced to evacuate their homes in New Orleans and the Gulf. God, in Israel, Gaza settlers were forced into temporary shelters throughout Israel. Same thing in America. New Orleans residents were forced into temporary shelters throughout America.
0: Pastor Mark's sister came through here on her way to Alaska. Is that right? Yeah, we had lunch together. And she said, I ain't going back. Is she still in Alaska? She went back, Oh God, send her the tape. <laughs> so give
1: me your address, I'll send it to her. She has beat for its property, because yeah, you can get it real cheap down there now. All I can say is, if if New Orleans doesn't repent, look out, because Hurricane Katrina is probably nothing in comparison to what you'll see in the days ahead. In Israel, Gaza settlers took refuge on, on rooftops. In America, New Orleans and Gulf Coast residents took refuge uh, on rooftops. Remember? And it was happening, I mean, largely at the same, I mean, just one right after another. In Israel, Jewish tombs and grave sites had to be removed to other cemeteries in Israel. In America, floodwaters dismantled tombs and loosened grave sites, releasing corpses that had to be reburied somewhere else. Remember that they were talking about corpses were floating around? Yeah. Coincidence? I don't think so. In Israel, Gaza settlers were banned from returning to their homes. In America, New Orleans and Gulf Coast residents were banned from returning to their homes. And some still can't get back in because it's not safe. They haven't gotten it bulldozed yet. In Israel, Gaza, homes and businesses were bulldozed. In America, Gulf Coast homes and businesses were bulldozed. Sound familiar? Because, see, here's the bottom line, folks: I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And this just isn't, well, if you bless Israel or curse Israel, then I'll bless or curse you. No. This is talking about in the same measure and many times the same way that you that you curse Israel. I'm going to curse whoever does that same way. We must understand God's word is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it goes out and it will accomplish that which God sets it out to do and it will not return to him void. So we have got to get a handle on God's word and begin walking in his ways. Because if we walk in his ways, what what gets released in our lives? Blessings! But if we don't walk in his ways, what gets released?
0: Curses! Is God the originator of the curse? No! We're the originator. He's the governator. We're the originator. He's the governator. Amen? Don't be mad at God, and you can't even be mad at the devil. Devil gets blamed for so many things he's not even involved with! Poor
1: devil! Gosh, that guy! America's failure to repent rekindled an ongoing judgment that is currently plaguing the U.S. Can I go into that? I got five minutes. America's current judgment is illegal immigration. Eleven to twelve, even more now, million illegal immigrants. In America, and most of them are coming from Mexico. Many illegal immigrants from Mexico are claiming that the U.S. stole parts of Southwest America. Do you realize? Many of them are actively seeking, even some through the court, to get back portions of California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. U.S. policy that affects Israeli borders also affects U.S. borders. Palestinians protest in Israel. Mexicans protest in America. Look at the color of the flag. Same color, isn't it? Coincidence? Folks, I'm going to tell you, if you believe in coincidence
0: after today, then we need to lay hands on you before you leave. Give you a little Pentecostal (laughs) rubdown. Maybe even a little five-fold ministry. No, only kidding. How many of you still love me? Well, praise the Lord.
1: (laughs) Both are claiming that their land was stolen. And that they want it back. Coincidence? No. Israel builds border fences. This is one in Janine. America builds border fences. This is one out in California. America builds border walls. America builds border walls. This is one starting down in San Luis, Arizona. Arabs tunnel into Israel. Mexicans tunnel into America. And this tunnel on the right side, is it's eight football fields long. And it was bringing over everything. It was bringing over illegal immigrants. It was bringing over drugs. Probably bringing over terrorists, I have no doubt. Arms, everything. As you are blessed, as you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. As you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. Islamic Arab terrorists shoot at Israelis across the Arab, uh, Israeli border. How many of you know, Mexican drug dealers are shooting at American, American military, our border patrol, they're shooting at our border patrol across the Mexican-American border. In fact, there were some drug runners that came over, and a couple of our border guards got to them, and I think
0: they killed them, and the border guards got prosecuted! They're in jail! You must understand, and, and, and ten years ago, we'd
1: have, we'd have been shooting mortars over there at them. But you must and people say, well, why doesn't America do something? Why does the Bush administration allow these guys to be prosecuted? It's because the same stupor that was on Israel is on us now. We aren't repenting. We're going to rebuild. I want to tell you what, folks. This is not happenstance. It's a spirit. It's a seducing spirit. uh, Arab Islamic terrorists enter Israel by infiltrating the Arab-Israeli border. And the Arab Islamic terrorists are entering the U.S. by infiltrating the Mexican-American border. You must understand that there are terrorists, and they have found them. I ministered this the first time over a year ago in Vancouver, and at that time we they hadn't made it known that Arab terrorists were coming and Islamic terrorists were coming across the border. But since that time, it's been made known. It came out in the press that they did find and they have they had them for a while, but. They made it known publicly that they had apprehended some Islamic terrorists that came over across the Mexican-American border. We must understand that this is going to happen because why? It's ha- whatever's happening in Israel is going to happen over here in some form, fashion, or another. And as they come in, you, you please hear me, is that, is that these guys aren't here on vacation. These guys are here to disrupt and to bring terrorism to our land from within the land. And when that happens, regardless of what happens, the, the United States, the people in the, in the United States are going to call for some sort of buffer zone, something to be done, and you, the, the wall is never going to be built. The fence is not going to be built, okay, not to keep them out. There, there might be certain portions of it go up, but they'll never, they're never going to secure U.S.-Mexico border. They're never going to secure it. So what they're going to do is they're going to build a buffer zone in an ethnic mini-state In Southwest America. You say, that will never happen. I want to tell you, not only is it going to happen, but it's been on the drawing board for over 10 years. You say, where? I'm so glad you asked. The New World Order Globalists plan to create an ethnic mini-state within America. Here is a map called the New North America. There was an article back in 1992, August 30th, 1992. It was published in the Los Angeles Times and the Denver Post. It says this, even the U.S., it's talking about how nations are going to be divided up. And this was the time when the breakaway republics of Russia were breaking away, remember that, back in the early 90s? And, and these international uh, globalist geographers came out and said, hey, that's no big deal. The whole world is going to be divided up into these ethnic mini-states. How many of you know, the scripture says in the last days, Jesus said, he said there's going to be war and rumors of war. Nation will rise against nation. The word for nation is ethno. There's going to be ethnic conflict. Is that what we're experiencing right now? Yeah. This is, I mean, we can't be surprised. Yeshua said it was going to happen. Guess what? Whatever Yeshua says, it's probably going to happen. Is that is that good? Yeah. Okay. Even the U.S. may not be immune to the forces reshaping the globe. Instead of Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, the North America Free Trade Agreement could eventually contain a dozen smaller pieces or more. Even after losing two independent autonomous zones, Pacifica, you can see right up there, and Angelica, you can see right there, the United States may be vulnerable to further splits. Where is one of the biggest problems that we've got right now? Isn't it Southwest America? You must understand that goes from Southern um, uh, California all the way across Arizona into New Mexico and into Texas. You must The globalists are planning to break up the United States. And there's going to be ethnic mini-states that are created. Just hear it. It's coming. i I, I ministered this message on this here. To over 10 years ago, 12, uh, 15 years ago, in 1992, when this hit. Some of you may even have been following me that long. You know that that's true. And it's in my book, Money and Wealth in the New Millennium. What does Jeremiah say? I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build it up or to plant it. In other words, I might, I might speak about a nation to bless it. But if it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless. it. Where does this come? See the footnote? See Torah? Where's that, where's that founded? See, there's, there's a foundation in the Torah for everything! Deuteronomy 32 verse 7 says this, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of all generation. Ask your fathers and he will inform you, your elders, and they will tell you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of men, He set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. In other words, Judeo-Christian America and every other nation out there, if you come against my people Israel to divide up my promised land, the borders that I had originally set based on the number of the sons of Israel, if you diminish that, I will diminish your borders. And it's happening before our very eyes. And like I said, the church in large part, especially pastors, not this one or this pastoral group. How many of you know it takes a lot of chutzpah to have somebody come in here and preach
0: like this? One thing Pastor Mark's got, it's chutzpah. Amen? Aren't you glad? I want to tell you this, folks. Preachers,
1: pastors, those of you in here that are in full-time ministry, you must hear this. You need to preach this message and call the people of God to repent. Because the nation will never repent as long as we're walking in unrepentant rebellion to God. You say, oh, it's just
0: gotten so lawless out there. I don't know what to do. Well, stop preaching that the law has passed away. Oh, the law has passed away. Yeah, you know what happens when the law passes away? You get lawlessness. Hello? Gosh. Gosh. I mean, you don't even have to be prophetic to know that. You could be pathetic and understand that. Yeah. How many of you still love me? Okay, praise the Lord. (laughs) Uh, Are we having fun?
1: Okay, I need I need to hurry because I got to bring this to a close. September 11th, shortly after, and in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. Hurricane Katrina was what? August 29, 2005. September 11th. Was the fourth the 2005 was the fourth anniversary of 9/11. New York dedicated the Trinity root. New York had the root. remember the root of that sycamore tree that saved St. Paul's Chapel? They had it bronze. Yeah, this is it. It was the symbol, and they gave all the speeches. We will rebuild. Yada, yada, yada. Bronze is a medal that represents judgment. where do they place it? They did this 13 days after Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans. In other words, instead of repenting, they said, we will what? Rebuild. The statue was placed outside Trinity Church on the corner of Wall Street and Broadway. There is St. Paul's Chapel. What we're going to do, I'm going to bring this to a close, and I'm going to leave you with this thought, is that if we stand, if we don't, if we don't contact our leaders, and tell them, do not support a Palestinian state in the Promised Land. Now, I know that's not politically correct in the world. But how many of you know we're not of this world? Is that right? In the kingdom of God, that's as politically correct as you can get. Okay? Is that we need to tell our leaders, do not allow that because the Arabs do not want peace. They don't even want a state. They just want to destroy Israel. And that has been established. From That's been preached to death, stem to stern. And we need to stand with Israel as the body of Messiah, and we need to say no, because if we allow them to divide up the promised land, God is going to divide up America. And you can even put a, thus says the Lord, on the end of it, because it's already happening, folks. Hallelujah. And so next week what we're going to do is we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the significance of the Trinity root, where it was placed on Wall Street and on Broadway, what that is saying is that's saying that there's a judgment coming to Wall Street. The shaking you saw three weeks ago was just a little forerunner taste of that. that. When that thing hit, it's going to be such a severe shaking that I don't think anybody in here, in America or maybe even the world, is going to escape unscathed. And we're going to show you exactly how that's going to come and why, why that's going to come, how it's going to come, what it's going to affect, and how you can protect yourself, insulate yourself from that, from that collapse. It's, it's going to ultimately lead to a financial collapse of not only America's financial system, but the world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just bless you and Lord, I thank you for the time you gave me and I thank you for the patience of the people and Pastor Mark and the elders and Lord, I just pray that this was this was a fast and furious word. and I pray, Lord, anything that wasn't of you, just toss it out. But everything that was of you, write it up on our hearts. As you're writing your Torah up on our hearts, Lord God, that we might walk in it, that we might receive the blessing and not the cursing in the day of your judgment. We thank you for it. We bless you for it. In the name of
0: Yeshua, our Messiah. All God's people said. Amen. Turned off by religion and hypocrisy. Hate being preached to. Something missing in your life. You haven't been getting the whole truth. The whole Bible and the Hebraic roots of the scriptures. Get answers and treasures now on Solace Radio.